Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. You sound, I don't know. You know what the word I'm thinking of is? The word festive. You sound festive. It's holiday time. It is. It is holiday time. How was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was very nice. Uh, We were here in LA, and we had some family over, and we had a lovely dinner. And uh, kids ran around and played and stuff. And then we uh, took a little family trip to Ojai, which is a little uh, like a f- nice, quiet sort of like a resorty place. Nice. Uh, a little north of here and is very, very calm and peaceful. And I don't play golf at all. Um, I've, I've never played golf, really. <laughs> okay. I've, I've said on Twitter that I'm going to run for president. And my platform will be no golf. Basically, and I won't be a jerk. Uh, <laughs> although the, I don't use the word jerk on Twitter, and uh, I won't be a jerk, and I, I'll never play golf because I really have no interest in playing golf. I have no interest in spending four hours playing golf. I find the game to be—I like to watch it sometimes, sure. but I find the game to be maddening the few times I've played it, and also it takes four hours, and it's absurd. But when we go to this uh, hotel. You know, hi there. They have a driving range and my son who also can't play golf. And I like to go to this like driving. It's very beautiful. And we don't know what we're doing, but we just put balls on tees and we just try to hit them as far as we can. And it's delightful. That's delightful. <laughs> that is delightful. Really and, fun. and that's not yeah. golf at all, by the way. No, that's a different thing. That's me. Thing. That's me and my nine year old son finding it funny <laughs> when we when mostly sometimes just swing and miss entirely. Uh, some, but like, I, I'll tell you this, the, 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 I probably hit 50 golf balls. That's a wild guess. Okay. And four of them, I would say I hit very well. And I was, uh, I played baseball long enough and I know enough about the idea of what you're sure. supposed to do that I can kind of approximate it. The four times I hit a golf ball straight and far, uh, you feel like Thor or something. <laughs> <laughs> <You feel> like, <laughs> like I totally get why retired men love golf it's because it's the it's like a, if your virility is fading and you're and you're like the world is passing you by and you don't understand technology and you don't understand young people and you feel like you're not as strong and powerful and potent as you used to be i totally get why you would want to play golf a lot because if you're good at it i mean that the golf ball just goes so far it does you, just, you can't believe how far it goes and i don't know what and i'm terrible i don't know what i'm doing and i still a couple times hit a golf ball what looked to be I'm not good at estimating distance, but I would guess I hit it about 7,000 yards. <laughs> I would imagine that's about right. That's probably that's about, how it that's felt. About that's, the what it, yeah. that's what it looked like to me. It looked like I hit the ball 7,000 yards. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not a golfer. I don't play. I've played um, one round uh, of full golf. Well, not even full golf. One round of my life of golf. Um, and it was uh, at Augusta National. So, uh, I figure when I find there you go, you've yeah. done it. You've played golf. I was yeah. going to say, I figured when I find another course better, I'll I'll try that one. Um, but it was cool. It was great. But I do like going out uh, every now and again to um, to a driving range. I think that's that's a totally different thing. I think if golf people were smart, they would sell that thing. Like they would sell that them. that experience. Right, you because, mean? Like, yeah, yeah, just going out and you don't have to chase it. You don't have to worry about if it's straight or not. Just come out, hit a hundred golf balls. Uh, it's it's. I think it's 
awesome. I, I love and, it. And there's a, yeah, and there's like a there's nets everywhere exactly. to the right exactly. and left of you. It's like you can't hurt anybody. <laughs> and even when they go out to clean up the balls, they're in a the guy's in a cage. Right. You can't hurt him. No. Yeah, I th- I totally agree with you. It's it's uh it it's very liberating. I also think, by the way, that uh that the like it's it's a it's like a thing that um is a good like stress reliever i would guess yeah like i i think the difference between a driving range and actual golf is golf is a game that causes stress it seems very stressful to to play golf i think it's very stressful yeah and like you you miss an eight foot putt and you your blood pressure like boils (laughs) over you know but that never happens when you're on a driving range. No, no, it's I hit the, hit the ball as hard as you can, and and also by the way, way shorter. Like you could go out there for whatever you go out there for twenty. 10 minutes. We, we, exactly. we, we, we were there for twenty minutes total, and it was delightful. Yeah, I had delightful. a very, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are going to start as as we often do um, with the Cleveland Browns update. Let's check in. I don't know if you've been following uh, this, uh, but the Browns uh, lost again last week. And we actually have not done this for two weeks. We took Thanksgiving week off. They, they lost the week before that, too. So the Browns are huh. 0-11 now. They're, they're zero wins, uh, 11 losses. Uh, the There's nothing of particular interest that happened in either of the last two games. It wasn't like there was some funny fun thing where they, you know, committed some 12 men on the field penalty, you know, and, and, and lost because of nothing. They just are not very good. And the other team was better in each of those cases. Um, so you're back on board. Can, can we get you, can we get you back as a, as a Browns fan? No, I'm not. No, uh, no, I'm still out. Here, I heard it. So uh, listening to the Dan Lebetard show uh, on uh, ESPN radio, and they had an amazing stat. The point differential of the Miami Dolphins is they're only eight points better than the Browns. And they have four wins. Right. And there's something so interesting about that in terms of like the futility of the Browns. Because if you're if you have an if there's only an eight point difference now through whatever it is, eleven games. Right. You're talking about less than a point a game in point differential. And yet the Dolphins somehow have four wins and the Browns have zero and the Browns haven't even really been that close, no, right? No, like, they've really had one game. They went to overtime against uh, Tennessee. Um, right. And they, you know, they had games that are like, you know what they're, you know what they're really, really good at is they're really, really good at like making games look closer than they are. Like that's a, that's a Brown specialty. Like they, they'll lose by 13, but it's only because the other team doesn't care or they'll lose by three because they scored a late touchdown when the game was already over and the other team had basically left the field. Um, that's sort of like the first, the game one of the of the year. They lost to Pittsburgh by three, and and sort of losing for a moment. My Browns, uh, you know, sort of spider senses. I kind of thought, oh, this is a good sign. They they played Pittsburgh, you know, well, and Pittsburgh's a very good team and. Uh, and, and they, you know, they, they came within three. I mean, that's really good. And I just totally forgot that Pittsburgh won by three because that was what was most convenient at the time. There was, there was no, they, they could have won by, if, if they were told, Hey, it doesn't count unless you win by 20, they would have won by 20, but right. because three is as good as anything else. 
Uh, and everybody likes Hugh Jackson. Nobody wants to run the score up on that guy. So um, they're, they are a different kind of terrible. Like last year, they were terrible. They were one in 15 and really shouldn't have even won the game that they actually won. They, they needed the other team to miss a bunch of field goals and do a bunch of stupid things, whatever. But last year's team had a, had like a, I don't know, like a hopelessness because they were so bad. This year's team is like, they're just losers. They just, they, they just have this thing down pat. They know how to go in every game, play just well enough to lose without sort of totally embarrassing themselves. Um, you know, every now and again, they will embarrass themselves because it's just sort of a natural thing. But like this, this past week's game against Cincinnati, um, was as dry and uninteresting and and sort of professional. It was as it was a professional loss. They just <laughs> they went out there and they're like, oh, this is what it's going to take to lose this game. We're, we're willing to do that. And they just yes, went out and a did work, it. a workmanlike it was loss. A workmanlike loss. And that's where <laughs> that's where they are now, which is which is very sad. And 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 I guess my question to you, if I had a question, so here's been my big sort of gripe about this this team and the way they're sort of being treated. And, you know, I, I think you and I have discussed where I'm not a big fan of the way broadcasters tend to call NFL games because they're not the local uh, affiliates, right? They're not the local announcers. So they have to sort of stay neutral and they don't want to offend either side. And I don't blame them. And that's the job. Um, so they have to come in and they have to say nice things about the Browns, even though there's really nothing nice to say. And they have to like, you know, say all kinds of ridiculous things about, no, you, you know, nobody blames Hugh Jackson for what's going on here. I mean, he, the guy's one in 26 as a head coach. I mean, you can give him a little blame, right? He could take a little bit of the blame. If yeah. You want. But here's, here's my question to you. The, at least the Browns haven't quit yet theme, which is a weekly theme on television, usually in the post game coverage, usually in the post game uh, press conferences, the players and Hugh Jackson and others will sort of brag. I got to say, sort of, sort of boast that you know this team is this team won't quit. This team doesn't quit. They've been through a lot. They don't quit. How, how do you feel about the whole they didn't quit sort of cliche? Like, where do you stand on that? Like most things like that, it a- appears to me to be a sort of empty platitude. Yes. Like I don't I don't put any uh even when it comes from like a player, like a former player, I don't put any I don't believe it at all. I don't <laughs> at believe all. I don't I, I don't believe that people quit in general. Right. I I mean I'm sure some of them do, you know, and I'm sure that like if you're playing for the 0 and 11 Browns and it's late in the third quarter and you're down by 18 and you know you have no chance of coming back and you're on the you're on punt coverage. Do I think you're going a hundred percent all out sprinting down the field like as a gunner and trying to make a a desperate special teams tackle to limit the punt returner to a two yard punt return instead of a seven yard punt return? No, probably not. Like your your basic human instinct of survival will kick in and you'll think to yourself, nothing is gonna change if I don't run as fast as I can on this punt, this guy's going to fair catch this anyway. Right. Cause it's like, there's why, why he's not going to risk a fumble. Right. So I'll run it 90% speed and, and not risk blowing out my hamstring. I think that happens all the time. 
I also don't happen to think that's quitting. No, you know, no. I think the actual the actual idea of quitting is pr- is pretty rare. I think it it does happen occasionally. Like, uh, of course it does. And guys get demoralized or they just are selfish or they just, whatever the situation is, they end up not, they end up sort of thinking like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to try hard. But most of these guys are competitive monsters who have been competitive and athletic all their lives, who live for the competition, who live for the moment of whatever it is they're doing, whether they're on the defensive line or their cornerbacks or their or their running backs or whatever. And most of them are going to try hard because they know that their futures, like people, coaches watch film and they care and whatever. So I think most of them are playing hard all the time. And I, and I think when they're not playing as hard as they possibly can, I don't think that's quitting. And I think that the idea, this notion of like, well, at least they're not quitting. This team didn't quit. We didn't quit. We didn't quit. It's kind of like, okay, great. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I don't know what to make. I don't, I don't think I, I don't know that I care one way or the other about that. And I don't, and I certainly don't think that that the casual observer or even the intent observer has the ability to determine whether that's, or not that is true. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I there a few years ago, I, I've written about this a few times. Um, Kansas State, when I was when I was uh, the columnist in Kansas City, uh, Kansas State played Nebraska. And Kansas State was at that point getting to be very, very good. They were they were on the rise. They were climbing up to be very, very good. And Nebraska was the king of the hill then. I mean, they were they were they might have been even defending national champions. It was during during the Tom Osborne stretch. And there was talk going in that the Kansas State, hey, maybe maybe they're gonna pull even with Nebraska. Maybe they're good enough to 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 play with Nebraska. And uh, they weren't Nebraska totally destroyed them in the game, just destroyed them. And after the game, uh, somebody uh, said to Bill Snyder, who uh, was and actually still is the head coach at Kansas State, uh, said to Bill, well, hey, you know, and it was sort of one of those. And, and as a reporter, I fully, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate this. You'll you'll ask a question. You're not even I don't even know why you're even asking it. You're just kind of asking it because it's so tense in the room after a loss, you're just trying to cut a little bit of that tension. Sure. So the the question was something along the lines of, well, hey, you know, you have to say at least your guys didn't quit. And Bill <laughs> Snyder gave the greatest response I've ever heard of that, which is he said that they don't let you quit, and, which is right. They don't. Right. They don't let you just like leave the field and like, oh, we, we quit. The only player I've ever known to quit, as far as I would, you know, qualify the word quit, um, do you remember Chester McLaughlin? Remember, remember him, the defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was a he for was a pretty Denver good player. Or something. Who did he play for? He played for the Chiefs and the Raiders, and okay. he might have even played for other team Denver, maybe later. I can't even remember. Anyway, he was he was a big a big guy, and he was you know he was he was pretty good, but he wasn't he wasn't always the the hardest working guy. He was the most polite. He never talked to the media, but he was the most polite non media speaker ever. Like you would go up to him and say, "Hey, Chester, you, you got a minute?" And he would say, "No, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, <laughs> I like no, that. thank you." Yeah, very polite. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the Raiders were playing the Chiefs in a game, and the reportedly, I, this has never been confirmed, but I, I, I probably believe it. Reportedly, at one point, Chester McLaughlin said to to the Chiefs' offensive lineman, "Hey, don't cut block me. Uh, I'm signing with you guys next year." Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is quitting. Like that is the kind of thing I think yeah. of when I think of quitting. I, I, 
you know, the Browns, are they quitting? Look, if you quit, you get caught in this league. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a lot of like wiggle room. If if they see you out there like not playing, not even trying, I mean, there are not that many jobs in this league. So I don't think that you quit, but you use the word demoralize, and I think that's 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 quitting. Yeah. That's to me is the closest thing to quitting is you get so demoralized, you're like, well, yeah, I'm playing hard, but I know we're not gonna win. And that's where I think the Browns are. I, yeah, I think- like I, I think that like quitting is um in the uh Pro Bowl when Right. There you go. When they're like when they're you know there's like a they snap the ball and the defensive line just kind of stands up and waves at the offensive line with their arms kind of like eh, we're rushing the quarterback <laughs> like because they don't none of these guys are they're all smart and they're not going to blow out their knees or shoulders or something on a, in the pro bowl it's why the pro bowl is unwatchably boring and why they've had <laughs> such problems with it is because you can't have it's impossible to do it you cannot have a pro bowl the only person who ever took the Pro Bowl seriously ever was Sean Taylor. <laughs> Sean Taylor famously <laughs> in the Pro Bowl just lit somebody up on like punt coverage that, that one year. It's an amazing video because he was a monster, a competitive monster who didn't matter where he was. He was like, I'm going to play as hard as I can all the time. And you have many times told the wonderful story about Tony Gonzalez. We don't have, we don't, it's a great story. Look it up. Uh, you can read Joe wrote this story about Tony Gonzalez and Bill Belichick at the Pro Bowl. So like that, that to me is, that's what quitting is. Quitting is like, I'm not, right. I'm, I'm very visibly not trying. Um, and you know, everything else beyond that is a, is a platitude being offered by a person, by an analyst who doesn't know what else to say about a team that's 0 and 11. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what it is where, where you are just run out of things to say, but I just wish they'd stop saying that. I wish, I wish they would come up with a new platitude, which I'm, I hate, I get it. There's nothing really all that interesting to say about the Browns right now. They're, they're tanking. Uh, they're hoping that they're going to have a great draft next year and they can start turning this thing around. We all know where they are, but stop saying they're not, that they quit. That you know, what would quitting. be funny. Just, um, I, I had this thought when the, after the giants announced they were benching Eli was, you know, Eli very famously, there's a couple interesting things about that. Number one, um, his benching, uh, he had the current record of consecutive starts at like 210 and now quitting. That's right. That record, that the longest streak now goes to Philip Rivers, who, of course, is the guy that the Chargers drafted when Eli <laughs> refused to be drafted by the Chargers. So that's kind that's of an right. interesting little side note. Also, there, Philip Rivers and Eli Manning are neck and neck in terms of like career stats and not neck and neck, but they're close in a bunch of categories. And if Eli now doesn't have a starting job and doesn't play for the rest of the year, it's possible that Philip Rivers is going to like pass him in like career passing yards and stuff. Like it's, it's they have they've had the, these two guys have had these weirdly parallel careers, um, and I think ultimately you'd probably take Eli's career over Philip Rivers just because of the two Super Bowl wins. But Philip Rivers yeah. is a has been a better quarterback. He's been a better regular season quarterback. Right. He's been a steadier quarterback, and a, and like a, a, a you know he most of his stats are uh, better than Eli's, I believe. Um, but the the interesting thing is that, you know, he refused to sign with the Chargers in part because the Chargers are so bad the year that they came out uh, in the draft. But now you wonder, like, would he if if he, if it's the end of the road for Eli in New York, where does he go? And one of the places he could go is Cleveland. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it would be so ironic <laughs> really if Cleveland, who was desperate for any kind of like com- minor competency at quarterback. What if Cleveland said to him, hey, we'll give you a four year deal. 25 million guaranteed a year just to come and like be a professional quarterback, a thing we have never had. 
for one Bas- year. Basically yeah. for one year. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, would you do it? I think I would do it if I were Eli. Like, why not? Right? Like, I would do it if I were Cleveland. Yeah. I'd do it for both. I mean, why not? Look, the, the thing about Eli is uh, you and I actually have had conversations about Eli. I, Eli's career is weird. It's it's one of the weirdest careers because he has not been a particularly good regular right. season quarterback at any point, really, in his career. But he was amazing on both of those playoff runs. I mean, you can't take it away from him. Um, and he is, from what I can tell, from everything I can gather about him, He's like the most stand-up guy like on planet Earth. I mean, I they're benching him for Geno <laughs> Smith, for God's sake. And yet he's like handled it. He's like, hey, look, that's you know, I'm I'm just here to to just make everybody happy. I, I totally respect that. So that you know, he would absolutely insert like a level of profession. He'd be terrible. Oh, yeah. Browns, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Just well, yeah, terrible. but they would win. They they would it would bring if he were the quarterback of the Browns, they would win three to five games, well, don't you think? That's right. If yeah. they, if he was a quarterback this year, yeah. they'd win yeah. three games. I, I think, I mean, their quarterback yeah. play has been so bad and so abysmal for so long. Like, I mean, they haven't yes. had anything approaching league average quarterback play really forever. And no. so a league average quarterback wins six games in the league especially now that like they've got some legitimately good players on defense they've got like if joe thomas came back they have you know and is okay they they you know who knows who they draft next year they've got a bunch of draft choices they've got high draft choices they've got you know first round picks and second round picks and whatever yeah so i don't know i it's a it's a crazy there's nothing behind this theory it was just interesting to think about the fact that eli sidestepped an organization that he felt wasn't up to the Manning standards, <laughs> which is kind of a jerky thing. Elway did the same thing too. And when he came out and it, and it, I yes, hated it. I hate that. Yes, I think that stinks. I think, it, oh, I, I think too. it's BS. I and I, and I always, even though I, you're right, I've heard that he's a stand up guy, blah, blah, blah. I still don't, I still hold it against him that he orchestrated that trade. Well, that's right. So it would be interesting if he ended his career with the worst team in the history of football, <laughs> I think that whole organization at some point is just moving east. I mean, moving west to Cleveland. That I mean, any any coaching staff that would pull this off in the, like this late in the year where it doesn't matter, just yeah. bench the guy uh, and break a streak for, for zero no reason, reason other than yeah. uh, zero. That's any organization that would do that. That they they have a future in Cleveland, in my view. Well, you know what's weird too is uh, not to like derail this thing too much, but it's so weird to me that like if they had if if the guy were um, you know, Kaepernick for the 49ers a few years ago or Pat Mahomes for Kansas City or whatever. Wait, it's not Pat Mahomes, is it? Pat Mahomes was the pitcher. Who's it's the, his son, who's the right? It's, it's, it's his son. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Is it Pat Mahomes? Yeah, I think there it's you his go. Son. <laughs> if, so in other words, if it's like a guy who you're like, we're anxious to take this new Ferrari out onto the, right, that's onto right. the track, that's right. totally then fine. But it's not. It's Geno Smith. You know what Geno Smith is. You, there's a lot of evidence of what Geno Smith is. Like, well, I don't, that's, that's why this is so baffling to me is it's not, they're not even benching him for like, look, this is the guy who's our future. We need to see what we have right, here. They right. know what they have and it's not any good. <laughs> you know, I, that's what's, that's what's so vexing about it. And it makes me feel like there's more to it somehow Maybe. or something. I don't know. But I think, but I, that, that was the true baffling thing to me is like they, it, it's, you know, when, um, when Parcells had Romo 
like kicking around as a backup and it, and people were clamoring to get Romo in there. And then they finally got Romo in there and you were like, Oh man, like <laughs> Look, what this guy's great. Yeah. This guy's really good. Yeah. That's not the case here. No. And so that's no. why I don't under- just let him finish the year. Who cares? They're not making the playoffs. It's five more games. Let him finish the year and then do it. You it, know, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. All right. Amazingly, neither of us uh, watch the NFL, and yet we spent. That's half right. We just talked about twenty-five minutes <laughs> about the NFL. Um, I want to talk about the uh, the uh, Hall of Fame. We, there, we have, there's not a lot of baseball to talk about. I we could talk a little bit about this about you know potentially uh, Giancarlo Stanton uh, getting moved, which is which is obviously very interesting, and and very your Red Sox could be uh, potentially in the mix there. Uh, we could talk about show uh, about uh, Otani, uh, uh, who is uh, coming over from Japan, and. Uh, everybody has put in apparently written requests to him, right? To to sort right. of tell them, you know, what or what the organization would be like to, for him, and uh, that's really exciting to see Shohei Otani come over. But I want to talk for a minute because I think this is directly uh, you're directly involved in this uh, for for reasons uh, that that will become obvious. Uh, last week, Joe Morgan the Hall of Fame second baseman, and also not incidentally the vice chairman of the Hall of Fame and uh, a prominent board member of the Hall of Fame, sent out a long letter to every member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, the people who vote for uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those. He sent us all a letter from the Baseball Hall of Fame email address. So when we got the email address, it said Joe Morgan's letter, but it was from the Baseball Hall of Fame. And the letter uh, was a a passionate plea, and you can read it. It's, it's out there. It's on my website. It's everywhere. A passionate plea to people to not vote for steroid users uh, for the Hall of Fame, that, that they don't belong there, they have no business there, that the Hall of Fame is a spe- special and sacred place, and uh, please don't ruin it. Uh, and and there was also in there, by the way, a pretty direct threat that uh, several of the Hall of Famers have said, if any of these guys do get in, uh, elected, that they will not show up at the Hall of Fame. So they will boycott or whatever you want to call it. Um, you have a history with Joe Morgan uh, <laughs> that, that people might be aware of. <laughs> Let me just like he and I dated uh, briefly in the 90s or something. <laughs> Well, you sort of did actually date for a little while. Um, so the two questions for you, and, and these are questions that people have actually poured in uh, to me uh, for our uh, listener uh, questions thing, which will come up uh, shortly. Uh, but also uh, just generally, the two questions are one, what did you think of the Joe Morgan uh, whole thing? What do you, how do you, what, what's your take on it? Uh, and secondly, will you bring back fire Joe Morgan just for that letter? <laughs> that, that's the big uh, questions. <clears throat> Okay, I think it's deeply, deeply insane that he did this. Yeah, um, I, I think it's de- it uh, and, and I think it's I think it's insane no matter which angle you attack it from. So let's start with a, a world. Let's start with an angle in a world in which I did not co-author a website called Fire Joe Morgan for for five <laughs> years, in which he was a frequent target of our analysis. Uh, analysis is a kind word for wh- how we approach his writing. Um, and his speaking, but uh, let's let's just say I have no dog in this fight. It's insane, even right. if you don't care about Joe Morgan one way or the other, for the simple reason that he is That's a right. powerful voice 
at the Hall of Fame. He is an incredibly well-respected player um, and, and, and figure in the game of baseball and certainly and, and specifically around the idea of the Hall of Fame, which means he can circulate that argument privately uh, to anyone t- he wishes. Um, and he didn't. He very deliberately made it public. He he decided he knew exactly what he was doing. He was he was he made that he was making oh, it sure he like you like you pointed out. He sent it from the Hall of Fame email address. This he was saying this is the official position of the people who were in the Hall of Fame who care about the Hall of Fame. It was a it was a not it wasn't even a warning shot across the bow. It was a shot. He was sh- firing at the hull of the BBWAA and. And the it, right. it's such a weird thing to do because you don't need it's like why make why be public about it why take this stance unless you are so over the top crazed with your opinion that you feel like you need to shout it from the rooftop there is no no one was asking this question and and not only that but nope. the people who there are how many uh, fifteen guys right now who would normally have been in the Hall of Fame based on their numbers and aren't because of steroids, including, by the way, Barry... Obviously, this is about Bonds and Clemens. Mostly, this is about Bonds and Clemens. Right. But how many other guys are there? Manny Ramirez and Rafael Palmiro and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. There are so many guys who would have instantly been elected if not for the fact that the world of the, the voting body had already come to this conclusion, at least in some level. Now, granted... Bonds and Clemens have been inching up, right? Clemens especially. He's been inching forward, right, in the last couple of votes. There, there's guys who are getting close. They both, right? That's right. They both topped right. 50% right. this year. So, they're in, so, so maybe that's why he felt like I got to nip this in the bud or something. But even given that, the idea of doing it so publicly and so volatilely and causing, stirring up so many passions uh, is crazy. And I think, frankly... My guess is, and I have nothing to base this on, <laughs> this is a wild speculation, I'll bet this did more to hurt his cause than to help it. Because I don't think people like a scold, and they don't like being lectured to, and the world, and the people who vote on these things, I would guess, feel like they can make up their own minds about this. And they, and it's like he was, he did this from a p- position of someone in a very, in a world gone by, in a bygone era where like the 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 word comes down from on high from a respected source and everyone just falls in line and i don't think the world works that way anymore and if i were in the bbwaa and i had a vote and anyone told me what to think or how to behave or what what i should how i should be approaching this i would lose my mind and i would want to vote the other way just on principle uh so I, i it's it's crazy in that sense that's the that's the like neutral crazy and then there's a specific crazy, which is the idea that there is a right way to approach the Hall of Fame voting with this uh, specific issue, with the specific issue of performance enhancers. And the reason it's insane is because Joe Morgan knows as well as anybody that as long as there have been players and as long as there have been substances that those players can take to improve their performance, players have taken substances. It was amphetamines. In the That's super right. old days, it was cocaine, just straight up cocaine. You know what I mean? It's it's greenies, <laughs> it's Ritalin, it's it's whatever whatever exists. Because again, these people are competitive monsters. They have taken those things, and the the idea 
that baseball used to be this bastion of pure athletic competition, like in ancient Greece or something, and not always a (laughs) substance-riddled competitive atmosphere is so insulting. It's it's deeply insulting because everyone knows the stories. Every, they're out there. Every People have talked about it openly. As long as there have been performance-enhancing substances of any kind, athletes have taken them in every sport. So the idea like that this is – he's he's calling upon uh, an, an era and invoking an era of purity and of athletic competition without any kind of enhancement – that never existed. It just never existed. And so right. it's insulting for that reason too, to, to suggest that there are people that people are so blind to what used to happen in the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties and whatever that they, that they were like, Oh, you know what? He's right. It used to be this pure thing that was only about the athletes and wasn't about, you know, drugs. And that's just not true. And you can have a reasonable debate about whether amphetamines did the same thing for you that steroids did or or the cle- the cream and the clear and maybe that's a maybe you can you know draw a line of distinction between those things that's fine if you however you want to approach it man it's like the world is your oyster you can do whatever you want but i but he is not doing that he is saying until the moment that this era of players started using steroids there has never been a cheater no one ever cheated and for that reason, we can draw this absolute rigid line of demarcation in the in the Hall of Fame between good players who didn't cheat and bad players who did cheat. And that is absolutely absurd. And I, I literally, it drove me up the wall when I read that. I could not believe what I was reading. Yeah, it's 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 stunning. There, there are a couple of points I want to make on uh, following up what you what you were saying. First point I want to make is, and I will readily admit that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit in the minority on this opinion, just on, on the, and, and nothing that I disagree with you on at all. Um, but except for what is going to be the outcome of this letter, uh, there are a lot of people in the BBWAA, people around the BBWAA, commentators, uh, who believe that this will have a backfiring effect, that people will read this, be really offended, uh, certainly how I felt and and they're going to just strengthen their point of view which is which is you know I think that th- that's there's there's a lot of logic behind that I actually think this is going to have a very 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 strong uh out uh impact the other way and and here's why I think that I think there are a lot of people and maybe this was the whole point of the letter to be honest I think there were a lot of people who they're not they don't really want to vote for Barry Bonds. They don't really want to vote for Roger Clemens, but they sort of see the way the wind is blowing. They see that people are kind of going, hey, you know what? I mean, we're not saying what they did was right. What we're saying is that they were the greatest players of their time, and that's what the baseball hall of fame is. And 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 you can't you can't start there and 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 stuff us with morality. We all know about the morality of of, of baseball players through the years. And by the way, you mentioned ancient uh, the ancient Olympics. I I did a, a story. Uh, th- those guys used to take uh, illegal substances. That was like a thing. Like in the during of course the they did. Yes, Olympics. right. Of course. Exactly. What, what was I thinking? Of course they did. They were athletes. <laughs> they were athletes. <laughs> yeah, they would yeah. crack open some weird root that they gave did. them a temporary <laughs> burst of energy and exactly snort it. Yeah, right. exactly right. So, um, 
I think those people are looking for cover. I think those people have been looking for cover for a while. I think they've wanted the Hall of Fame to give a directive. Uh, I think this is a directive. I don't think this is just Joe Morgan. I think this is sort of the official position of the Hall of Fame, even though they are like, they love to hide behind Joe Morgan and I don't blame them. I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, but this is how they feel. This is this is how the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, I think this is how the Hall of Fame feels. And I know this is how Joe Morgan feels. And I know this is the way a lot of Hall of Famers feel, which by the way, uh, all due respect to the Hall of Famers, they should have no business whatsoever, in my view, in determining who comes after them in the Hall of Fame. I mean, a hundred percent. That's a that's a that's a great point that I totally forgot to mention. Is what gives you the right as a, a, to to weigh in on this at all? Right. That's not that's not okay. You like, I mean, you could if you want to. It's a free country, but like, you should not. It should not be the case that the people who get in then get to close the door behind them. That's, That's right. not how this works. This is a you are the you are the guest at the Hall of Fame, and this is an independent body, allegedly an independent body who's deciding on people's worthiness. And it's absurd and kind of a little bit unethical for those people to be leveraging their fame and authority to to influence the voting body. That's crazy. That it, and and then there's a whole, by the way there's also the whole issue that we which we haven't even talked about yet of. Well, what is the Hall of Fame? That's right. right? It's, it's the, it, the, this is the Hall of Fame. The Baseball Hall of Fame is not a group of people to whom we are entrusting like the future of humanity, right? <laughs> this isn't like we're electing a thousand people to board a space arc <laughs> to fly to a new planet and start a new society. We need awesome, only the though. most ethical and beautiful, perfect people who have the most pure souls. Like that's not what we're doing. We're telling the story of the history of this sport. And like, and I get it, character matters, but as you and I have talked about many times, okay, then how about Ty Cobb, right? <laughs> how about like all of the people who have, and, and some of the stories about Ty Cobb, which we now know are apocryphal, but he wasn't a great guy. And I a lot of the guys, yeah. right. A lot of the people from that era are not great guys. There are inveterate racists in the Hall of Fame. There are people who like abused women, I mean, oh, abused drugs, any... I mean, so many people. So the idea that those that one of the the guys who's in the Hall of Fame could make the argument of like, well, no cheaters. I mean, that is just my blood is boiling all over again. Well, and there's a second part of it. That's what I was going to say. That's the first thing. The second thing is th there are steroid users in the Hall of Fame. We know that. We we know that. Look, we've I've been I voted for them. I have voted for steroid users that are now in the Hall of Fame. I have no I wouldn't say no doubt. They never say no doubt. I have almost no doubt that there are people that we have voted in in the last few years, probably people that we voted in a lot earlier than that. I'm not even going to talk about what potentially could have happened in the 70s and 80s. I, we love to believe steroids were invented in 1994, but that's not how it worked. And there were people using steroids in the 50s and that, you know, we know Mickey Mantle kind of played around with steroids at one point for his knee I mean, this is this is this is a long-standing thing. There are steroid users in the Hall of Fame, so we've decided to sort of slam the door now. So what? So there are no more steroid users in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is yeah. This is. The do you want? Should we do an audit? Should we go back and <laughs> should we go back through everybody and do like hire, uh, um, you know, uh, what's <laughs> yeah, the guy Ken Star. 
Yeah, hire Ken Starr or Pash, whatever that guy's name is, who did the deflate gate investigation and comb through handwritten oh, notes. Boy, they would from, not want that. They would like, not Did Pi Trainer ever uh, <laughs> ever write a letter to to a girl saying, like, I tried a new substance called <laughs> cocaine and gave me a lot of burst of energy? Like, I mean that that that's the other thing is we there's no there has been no system in place to test people to care about this one way or the other and now to all of a sudden say it's a lie it's an absolute litmus test is so crazy you're just you're i mean it's so unreliable everything about it is wrong and and bad and it shouldn't have happened it's awful it's awful so will you bring fire joe morgan back from the grave no, it was a couple, a lot of people. When the, I, I knew something weird had happened because I, I went to Twitter and I had like 52 messages from right. people going like, hey, you've got to come back. I was we, like, oh, no, what did Joe do? We'd love to run it. What did we'd Joe do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no this, I, I, let, let this podcast serve as my uh, Fire Joe Morgan uh, fisking. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, this is a complicated issue. And, you know, we've talked about this. Look, you're, you have very mixed feelings about it. Very mixed feelings about the guys who use steroids. I don't, and, and I think we all yeah. have some, you know, I mean, I think yours are even more mixed than mine. Mine are a little less mixed only because I feel like before there was testing, I just don't, I just don't think if you're not going to test the players, you're telling them it's okay to use it. And if you're telling them it's okay to use it, they're going to use it. There's just, there's just no question. I, I totally credit those that didn't. I, I do. I, I think they were sure. wonderful. I don't know who they are. I, I wouldn't know who they are if they told me, you know what I mean? I mean, this is, this is, we, nobody has admitted basically other than Mark McGuire, who's the, that poor guy is like the only guy who's ever been like you know asked to admit it and he actually did in a tearful way and everybody's like eh shut up you know i mean it was <laughs> he got no credit whatsoever for actually admitting he used it well uh, although, although i have to say there was a he didn't he sort he it was a bad ad- admission it wasn't a full it was, it was like a i'm right. not here to talk about the past kind of a thing well no no i, felt, I, I, I mean it was the whole thing was about admitting using it. yeah he just, i know he refused to what he refused to do and i, I don't know if he would do it now i mean it, it, he, I, look i'm sure he's happy it's all behind him what he refused to do was admit that they played a huge role in his career he, I felt very strongly like there was a there was a missed opportunity for someone. Um, a Rod almost did it, but in classic A Rod fashion, he ended up weirdly bungling it in a in a terrible, humiliating, awkward way. I felt like there was a, there was a space for a while back then for some big famous player to come right. out and say, "Okay, here's the deal. I used all of this stuff. Why did I use it? Because there was no one. No one was looking. No one cared. It was absolute." Uh, benign neglect. It was the same benign neglect that led the uh, to the American Revolution. <laughs> it was no one. No one seemed to care. Everyone was turning a blind eye. And I did a simple calculation in my head. And that calculation was I could take these drugs that no one seems to care about whether I take them and make a, and be better at this thing that I do and make a billion dollars doing it. Or I cannot do that and watch as every other person does it instead of me. Right. So I did it. And I did it, and it was bad, and it was wrong, and I'm really sorry. And if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do it again. Even if they don't mean that, they should say that, by yes, the way. you have to and, say that. <laughs> and uh, and here's, here's, here's the culture. Here's why it happened. I'm not going to ever name names. It's I feel like it's up to everyone individually to decide whether you want to admit that you did it or not. 
Um, but I did it and I'm really sorry. And I, and I apologize to everyone that I hurt by doing this. And like a current player doing that would have been a big deal. And there were, ver- deal. there were some versions of it and stuff, no, but it was, never, oh, they were always tainted, right? It was always Canseco well, did it because he was trying to hawk his book. Yeah, and like, yeah. You know, Canseco like, doesn't even count. You know I mean? Yeah. Look, I think the closest guy, and, and, and again, people will disagree with me on this. I think the closest guy was McGuire. I think McGuire, he, he took a full hour to sort of explain that he did it. Say he was sorry. Say he regretted it. Say he wanted to to make it right and and talk to kids about steroid use and all that. The thing he was unwilling to do was talk about how it it made him so much stronger and made him so because he he kind of yeah. kept coming back like, well, you know, I re- worked really hard on my hitting, and it's like nobody cares. No, it, it just you, you you've got to you're already in. To me, he were already all the way in anyway. Just go all the way in, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. And, and I, you know, that's, he's got to take the, the, the fall for that, but he still went f- miles and miles further than anybody else. None of these, every other one, even when they're admitting, it's like, well, I admit it, I did it, but I didn't even know my trainer made me do it. And I didn't, it was yeah. some sort of cream. I thought it was something else. I mean, nobody else will admit it. Uh, and it's, it's sad. It's a, it's, it shows real weakness on, on their parts. So this is a complicated issue. But the last thing we needed for a, for a very complicated issue that people have been thinking about for 10 years were somebody to just throw from an official Hall of Fame, uh, you know, sort of high post, you know, really pretty high up in the in the in the Hall of Fame uh, world to throw down these ancient arguments about the the the. the greatness of the game and the the sacred nature of the hall of fame just gross just ugh. yeah boo yeah. it was not fun not <laughs> fun all right let's go let's go to listener uh questions we got love it we got a bunch of listener questions uh from people so let's let's just begin with bees bees b-e-e-z would like to know when should you arrive at a work christmas party and how long should you stay at a minimum um, I would say you should arrive about half an hour after it starts. That's right. I actually had it at about half an hour to an hour after it starts. Yeah. Don't, you don't, you cannot be the first person no. there. You can guarantee that there's like 12 other people there already. <laughs> and then minimum, let's say, okay, we're going to say for the purposes of this argument, this is a standard kind of seven to 10 30 kind of yeah, a deal three and a half four hour thing i think that's right okay so here's the move you show let's say it's seven to ten thirty you show up at seven thirty right and you tell people i can't stay that long because i have to meet my friend who's in town right for like a late dinner right and then if the party's really fun you go screw that friend. I'm sticking here. I'm going to go to the party because <laughs> this is fun. And if it's not fun, you at eight thirty, you go like, I'm so sorry, I have to leave, but I got to get out of here, me and my friend, and you leave. So I would say you show up a half an hour late and you stay for an hour. An hour. That's what. And what then I was- if it's really fun, you stick around for for as long as you want. <laughs> What what are the odds? What are the odds of that being like, you know, it's, it, this is not like your manager of the year party. I mean, this is a Christmas party for some work. Well, who knows, though? What if your office is super fun? I mean, I, I've like, uh, you know, the, if if there's a good a good office Christmas party isn't a common occurrence, but it has happened. OK, maybe 730. You, you arrive for a seven o'clock. I agree. You are allowed to leave at any point once everyone has arrived. 
Like one sort of like, okay. like the last straggler shows in, which I think will be about 830. It's about an hour. Um, and in fact, it's not a bad idea. Like when the last straggler walks in for you to sort of be walking out and like pass that person and be like, come on, man. I mean, you know, it's a Christmas party, you know? Yep. And then walk, keep walking. Just You keep. can also do it by, you can do the calculation by how you can leave as soon as you have like officially said hello to and chatted to whoever the people are that you feel like you should chat with and say hello to your boss, your superior, your advisor, your coworkers, whatever. I once attended an event uh, that I really didn't want to attend. And there were, I think four people who were like important people that I had to like see and say hello to. And I walked in and I saw the first one right away. And I said, Hey, how's it going? Uh, And the person said um oh it's going great thanks uh, how are things i was like great and he was like i'm sorry i just gotta run over there real quick and i was like no problem take your time he left i kept walking <laughs> i saw that the other two of the other three people were talking to each other i stopped hello we chatted for about a minute and a half it was great one of them said i'm gonna go get a drink i said oh okay cool i i went uh, saw the fourth person i was like oh my god i've seen all four it's i've been here for five minutes i've seen all four people <laughs> i talked to the fourth person for a little while, I like, by the way, I like these people. It's sure. not like I don't like them. Sure. I chatted with the fourth person for like a good three or four minutes. And then uh, then we split up. That person went to go talk to somebody else. I went to go talk to somebody else. And I realized I can leave. You're free. And I, You're totally free. I basically, I walked out and I got back down to the valet where the event was being held. And my car was still there. They had, <laughs> there was such a backlog of cars. They hadn't even parked my car yet. And I went up to the guy and I was like, that's my car. Can I just get out of here? And the guy was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I just got my car and I got home. And my wife was like, what happened? And I was like, I saw everybody I needed to see <laughs> in five minutes. And I came home. It's the best. That it's is- still like, I've like, it's one of my fondest Hollywood memories. It really is. It was like, the, we couldn't, it's, it was so wonderful. I was like watching Netflix with my wife at like 823 oh. for a, after an event that started at eight. <laughs> that is the best. That is the best. That is honestly my dream. That is, I, yeah. I don't, I hate parties. I don't, I don't like them. I'm, I'm, I'm not good in crowds. None of it, none of it works for me. And I have to go to a lot of like fundraisers and things like that. I'm sure you do too. Um, and I can't, I don't like them. And, you know, and, and I, I do my best I can. But if I ever had that opportunity where I'm like, oh, I've seen the four people I, and I'm out, oh, that's, that's the dream. It was wonderful. Dream. All right, Liberal Jones wants to know what is the best color sticky note? Uh, the answer is yellow. yellow. I'm sorry. I don't even think there's there's not even another option. Is no, there? the other ones are useful in certain situations, but like yellow, and the reason is because most pens are dark blue or black, and right. you need the the writing to to be in contrast. And the red ones, and the blue ones, and the green ones, it, there just isn't enough contrast for the pen. So like, it's just, um, it, it's hacky choice, but that's the right answer. It's the, it, I think it's yellow. I think the only, I mean, look, those others do have their uses, but often their uses are not even, you don't even write on them. You're just using them to. You're to, using them for to, like tabs, right? right? Exactly. Like in a, in a, in a, like a long document. You're like, I'm going to put the yellow ones where I need to sign. I'll put the blue ones where someone else needs to sign or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But for, exactly. for everyday use, yellow is the right color. Yellow is the right color. Trey wants to know who would be more successful, Papa John running an NFL team or Jerry Jones running his own pizza company? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love this question. Oh, what a great question. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Now, 
let's start by what defining successful, okay. right? Because Jerry Jones is very successful as a Cowboys owner and Papa John's is very successful as a pizza owner. Right. But Papa John's pizza is terrible, terrible and the Cowboys are terrible. <laughs> so the successful, they're both successful in that they have a lot of money and, and power and stuff, but their product is often very bad. Right. So, uh, so the question is when you say successful, do you mean like if Papa John ran a football franchise, would it continue to like accrue in value? Or do you mean he like wins playoff games and maybe gets a Super Bowl? I think that's how you have to look at it, right? It's right. But it's a good question. It's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough break. Cause again, you, is Jerry Jones a successful coach? I mean, he certainly in his early days won his Super Bowls, but uh, hasn't done anything for whatever, 20 years or, or whatever. I'm going to say it is like, I think you would have to just define success the way that you defined it just now that Papa John is successful. Uh, and that, and that because you, because the hope that either one of them would be artistically successful is, is <laughs> hopeless. It's hopeless. There's no, there's no way that, that Papa John's football team is going to win. And there's no way that, that Jerry Jones could make a good pizza. So, so the question is who would be more successful within those within those parameters i think it's got to be jerry jones um i think papa john uh doesn't have any idea what he's doing in any direction (laughs) i really don't i think he's a man he is a man at sea and i think and and i also by the way think it's probably harder to own and run a football team than it is to like run a pizza uh, a pizza franchise because there's Pizza franchising is is like a restaurant franchise. Well, I don't know. I, maybe I'm totally wrong. You know, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna change. I'm gonna say Papa John because I feel like there are owners who are hands off owners. Right. That's right. I There's think- owners who just are like, I own the team. I'll hire people who are like have a good track record, and then they get lucky in the draft. And Jerry Jones has a his his sin. His greatest sin is hyper is micromanaging. Right. He well, he's the guy who had to be physically restrained from drafting Johnny Manziel <laughs> because he <laughs> because he's so bad at his own job which is understanding what football is. So I, I and, and he's constantly like on the sidelines and he's like weighing in on issues and I feel like that would be a that would be cuz he wouldn't know anything about the pizza business. And so he would like micromanage this business he didn't know anything about. And that would be even worse than him micromanaging football which he ostensibly does know something about. So I would say if Papa John bought a team and then we're just an owner who just was like hands off and hired, you know, people who were decent, uh, then he might, he'd probably be more successful. It's up. It's also easier to be a football owner because you just don't do anything in your, and your investment makes money. Right. I think Papa John hires, uh, you know, he hires Peyton Manning and one of his right. other buddies. Right. And just as you guys run this team. Yeah. He hires and, John Elway and right, Peyton Manning and, right. and they like, they, and just goes like, you guys do whatever. I'll be up here eating, eating, <laughs> He, I am. I now have the t- opportunity to eat good pizza for once. For the and first Jerry time. Jones would not know how to even start on the pizza. No, part. he would, like, and he would be like mixed. He would go to like a Papa John's franchise in in you know St. Louis and be like, "You guys are making this pizza wrong." And he would, <laughs> but we need more cayenne to- pepper or whatever. And he would just ruin. He would ruin everything. <laughs> All right, we have another uh, either or. Ian wants to know who would be a more successful Major League Baseball manager: the Grinch or Santa Claus? 
Oh, the Grinch, right? I don't even think that's close. I don't think Santa Claus would be a good major league. Baseball. Santa Claus would be a terrible manager. Yeah, oh God, he no, because he, he has no ability to like discern. <laughs> he has no. He has no. He's like sees the best in everybody and wants right. everyone to succeed and be. I mean, forget it. No, the Grinch at least has like a pessimistic outlook. I mean, look here. Here, here's the the reason that you say the Grinch is Bill Belichick, and I know it's a different sport. <laughs> But like he, Bill Belichick is the actual Grinch, and he's the most successful football coach in history. <laughs> <laughs> that is so totally right. In fact, yeah. I don't know that you can be successful coaching any sport without having sixty-seven percent Grinch in you. Yeah, like, you've got to have a generally pessimistic attitude. You've got to expect the worst. You've got to be. You've got to also be tough and and. I mean, the Santa Claus is never cutting a guy. <laughs> who deserves to be cut because he's like, oh, well, how can I do that to him? He has a wife and children. Like, <laughs> I don't know, though. Santa Claus, is, he will do the coal and the for the bad. You know, he does. He does like break it up between good and bad. Yeah, I mean, do you he, know anyone who actually got coal? That's a threat. Santa, that's a, Santa, never, Santa was always like, oh, Billy's been a good boy. I'll give him a present. Like, forget it. No, it's ab- absolutely the Grinch. No question. hundred percent. I totally agree. All right. Dishama wants to know how much, if at all, was the good place inspired by defending your life? The uh, Albert Brooks movie. Uh, it really wasn't. Um, in fact, if anything, I had to be because I, I I had seen defending your life and I remembered it and I watched it uh, after I wrote the pilot. I watched it again. I had seen it in a long time and I watched it again just to make sure that I wasn't stepping on anything. And, it's and like, you're not. You know, I mean, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's it's about that's about purgatory and there's like, you know, lawyers and advocates who are sort of like weighing your soul and deciding whether you need to go give it another shot or whatever. And so I was I was fairly confident that I had sidestepped anything. I mean, there's a couple other movies I did that with. Uh, uh, what's it called, though? What's the Warren Beatty? Uh, well, Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. I, I, I watched that. I had never seen that before. And I watched that. What one. did you think of Heaven Can Wait? That's that's in the 70s genre that you're not crazy about yeah i is it seems a little dated right that's that was the main thing i thought was kind of dated it's it's, (laughs) it's very hard to have any comedy hold up for longer than about 10 years um (laughs) frankly true it's so so true yeah and uh, the other thing about defending your life and i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to slam it or anything but they had Meryl Streep in that movie, and boy, does she not get anything to do. She just <laughs> like her main purpose is to laugh at Albert Brooks's terrible jokes, and I just was like, how can you have, how can you get Meryl Streep in your movie and then not give her anything to do? Like she's, it's really weird. It's a weird, like, like a, a unforced error to it not is, al- allow Meryl Streep to to act in a movie. <laughs> she doesn't get to act. She doesn't do anything. She just really stands, she, she goes to a comedy club with him and just laughs and <laughs> and is like, "Oh, this food is so good and this is so good and this is so good and this is great." And she just finds everything he says charming for no reason at all. And there's a lot of movies like that where from that area where uh, a women women who are way more um, sophisticated, intelligent, and attractive than the men they were paired up with just found the men endlessly fascinating and funny and <laughs> charming and had no, they have no characters of their the, own. And, the, you know, the Woody Allen of. Yeah, like of Diane them. Keaton is always like, oh, I'm completely in love with you for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Defending Your Life. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good movie. And, 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 uh, and I, I, it's been a few, few years since I've seen it, but I really, really enjoyed it. But I did have that exact same feeling, which is, this could have been literally you could have just like walked into any casting room like on earth 
and hired. You think why did you need Meryl Streep for yeah. this? And why did she take it? Like why did she see that script and go, "Oh, I can see some things I can do with this." Character. I think the idea at the time was extremely fresh and interesting and new. Yeah, and, maybe and, that's true. Um, I and and also Albert Brooks. Look, Albert Brooks is great. He's a genius. He's a genius. super funny, interesting yeah. guy. There is one thing in that movie that, that really bothered me, which I had forgotten, which is the beginning of the movie is he's buying a Porsche, I think. And, um, oh, and a, a Mercedes. Mercedes, right. Yeah. A, a fancy, fancy car, fancy sports car, yeah. car yeah. right? And he's driving down the street and he's like listening to music and then he like drops something and he reaches down to get it. And he dies. And, uh, and, he, and he gets into a car crash, right? And But then the, the character, the movie, is about the, the reason that he's in trouble in purgatory is that the uh, angel lawyer people determined that he lived his life in fear, right. that he's too scared. And I was like, well, no, he didn't. He was a kind of a, a D bag, like uh, <laughs> guy wearing like sunglasses, buying a fancy sports car. Like that's not a, like why, how, how do you miss that? The, the beginning should have been, he was buying a Volvo right. and his friend said, no, get a sports car. You deserve it. You make a lot of money. And he's like, no, 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 Volvo. They're the safest cars. And, and they, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, they're, they have the best crash rating. And so I'm going to get the sensible car. And then he still died. And then it would have made sense, but it doesn't make sense. They, that's, he was not a person who seemed to be scared of anything. He was a guy who seemed to be kind of a jerk <laughs> who then just got into a car crash. And I was like, well, that's such a weird thing to that's a really blow. good point. Yeah, it's very that. odd. I had forgotten that that was how it started, and I don't know. I don't know why I'm slamming them. Life now. <laughs> no, look, I think it's very funny and 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 has and has some some wonderful uh, moments in it. Um, but the Meryl Streep thing did has bothered me. It's just like, and yeah. look, she's, she's fine in it. I mean, she's it's not totally. Like, she's Meryl Streep. She's great in everything she ever does. But it's like, does like, she? Ha- I don't. I don't. Th- I describe her character. She's like. She's an amazing person. That's the exactly. end of her character. <laughs> That's it. All right. Lightning round. Five uh, quick questions. Jared, what is your favorite sports video game ever? Ooh, ever. Yeah. Um, well, unless you have one now. Uh, no, it's RBI baseball for the uh, old Nintendo. That was his prediction. I'm going to guess yeah. it's RBI baseball for you both. Uh, for me, it's actually a, a Tecmo Super Bowl uh, is my favorite. I love RBI baseball as well. I, uh, so I played that when I was a kid. I didn't have a Nintendo. My mom didn't let me have one, but whenever I could play at a friend's house, I always played RBI baseball. And then Seth Meyers, when I got to SNL had, uh, was like, uh, we talked about how he and his friends used to play RBI baseball all the time. So we bought on eBay, a vintage Nintendo and RBI oh. baseball, and we played each other so much. So we first, we played a world. Yeah. I was the Red Sox. I got to be right. the Red Sox and he played the Astros, which was the best NL team. Probably the Astros or the Mets. And we played a so we played a World Series, and then we played a World Series of World Series. So we played best of seven World Series, and then we played so much it ended up being a World Series of World Series of World Series. Oh, that's so! Awesome. And we kept score. And when he got married, I presented him with the <laughs> stack of paper that we had kept score on. Who won the World Series of World Series of World Series? I won the World Series of World Series of World Series four World Series of World Series to to two World Series of World Series. The ability that you had to make a pitch literally drop is still my favorite part of the RB. Oh, it's the best. And bend and bend to the side. Yeah, exactly. It's the best. It's like it just dropped, and and you see that little bink when it hits the ground. Oh, I love it. And All also right. the and also the way that it, when a player made an error, he shimmied back and forth like he had, like he was vibrating. <laughs> It's so it's so great. It is so great. They, now I could talk about this for hours. That when when a ball, especially when it was a line drive, 
it would like boing, like it would just hit him. It was like, <laughs> it just, him. and then just kind of like, like stay in front of him, like just like a couple tantalizing inches in front of the, the vibrating error, error prone player. Matt wants to know, is Cheeto a chip? Does that count as a chip? <sighs> That's tough. I think so. Right. Um, I mean, it, a chip you can put, you can dip it in things. Right, and some you people can, do. You can dip it. You can't that, really that, put like um, you can't really put like uh, anything on it. You know, you can't put like an yeah, object totally. on it though. Yeah, I. You can't I, make I think, not. You can't make nachos with. I don't know. It's, it's really tough. What do you think? I, I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty here. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I mean, my first when I first read that question just now, uh, my first uh, thought was no, it's not a chip. It's not. It's like its own thing. It's like its own. It's like a. I don't even know what you would call those. It's like a puff. It's like a. You know. It's like a. You know. But on the other hand, I mean, I mean, is it how how expansive do we want to make the chip? Well, I think if it's not a chip, you got to tell me what it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I think if you, if you argue, if you take the position that it's not a chip, you got to tell me. Okay, that you got to tell me what could it is. Could it not just be a Cheeto? Could Cheetos not be its own category? Like, and then other things like Cheetos would be. Like puffy things would be like Cheetos. I mean, I, I feel like you could make that argument, and Goodell is going to come down and you like a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, we're torn. We're torn on this we're one. Right? Let, we're, let's let the pass. <laughs> Fry's dog wants to know, and I actually don't know the answer. I'm reading this right now. I know the the answer to this. Could a team shift their catcher to play in the field? Obviously, you would only do this with two strikes, and the you know the the guy would have to hit but is it legal i don't think it is i don't think it actually is legal to I, to put the catcher in the field do you know I don't know uh, is there a is there a rule about little? number of players who can be in fair territory that would be i guess i would guess that's how they would define think, it i don't think that's true i don't well i don't know i think there has to be somebody in the behind the plate i think there has to be somebody in foul territory. i think you're probably right i would also say though you wouldn't do it with two strikes because if you do with two strikes no matter where the pitcher's thrown the guy would deliberately swing and miss and then just oh, that's right. the no no there, there'd be uh, clearly the guy is is struggling to come up with a scenario where you would actually do this <laughs> um, but but i mean i guess the question could be if, if, if the question is is if it's legal the other question is i guess you could at some point do you have to wear the catcher's gear behind the plate like, do you have to wear, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't, but again, I mean, is there, I don't know what the limitations of the catcher are. I guess I should look that up. Yeah. I don't know that either. I, I, right. I'm going to guess that you have to feel the catcher defensively. Aaron wants to know when should one put up Christmas decorations? When should one take them down? Uh, not obviously not before Thanksgiving. And right. I would say in general, not before December 1st, I would say December 1st is, is um, if you, if you must, Get them up before December first for some reason. Okay, but I would say December first is your target, okay. um, and then I would say you have to take them down. Ideally, you take them down um, by oh. I would say January fourth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think you. I, I think it's permissible to leave them up through New Year's because New Year's still feels like part of the festive holiday season. But I think you can't go more than a week after New Year's with them up, or you're you're asking for trouble. 
Next week, we're going to have Brandon McCarthy on. Uh, yes. Here, and, which Very is going exciting. To be awesome. Very exciting. And we are going to ask him because Brandon McCarthy is of the belief that you can start listening to Christmas music in August. That is his That's right. longstanding belief. He also, by the way, uh, uh, I sent him an email, uh, just sort of confirm everything that he was doing and made like an LSU crack. You know, he's a big LSU yeah. fan. And I made like a little crack about LSU. And he said, uh, I want to make this very clear. I am not coming on your podcast to be Seppenwald. I will not allow that to happen. <laughs> Thus guaranteeing that that is going to happen. By the way, just, just to prep everybody. Uh, yeah, he has zero sense of humor about LSU. He has zero sense of humor about a Liverpool uh, football. Zero sense of humor. I made a I, in my phone for his contact um, a profile picture. You know, you can assign a little picture yes. to someone. I assigned him a picture of Luis Suarez biting someone. Um, Suarez is like his favorite uh, football, European football player of all time. And his profile pic, I changed. It used to be LSU, the LSU logo. And then I changed it to Suarez biting someone. And uh, I sent it to him and his response. I am actually going to read his response um, because this is how little of a uh, uh, a sense, a of, sense humor of humor he has. Yeah. Uh, hold on one second. His actual response was, "This is bad. Ra- this is bad podcasting." Uh, <laughs> here we go. Hold on. His his he said, um, "I can't wait until Melania arrests you for bullying." Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> he is not. He is not. Uh, he doesn't have a huge sense of humor. Not zero not that sense kind of humor. Stuff. <laughs> So, which means, thus guaranteeing, by the way, that we are going to talk about nothing but Luis Suarez biting people and LSU and uh, and Liverpool. All right. One last question. John wants to know, who will win a championship first, the Padres or the Browns? Wow. Good question, John. Good, good question. John, neither is ever going to win a championship. <laughs> so, so. When you have zero chance of winning, uh, you, you can one can't be first. However, I got to say that if the stars would somehow, you know, I don't know, we, we have some sort of weird Avenger like destruction of the earth or whatever, um, and and they're the only two teams left. And one has to at that point win a championship. They're, they're playing each other, I guess. Um, Padres, Padres will be the, the, the first to win the championship, don't you think? Uh, no, I'm going the other way. I'm going Browns. Yeah, wow. I think I think wow. it's harder to put together a championship MLB roster than it is a championship uh, NFL roster, especially in this day and age where college quarterbacks are now coming in and starting as rookies and doing well. Like Cam Newton can come in and the Panthers can go from terrible That's to true. That's a true. Super Bowl team, a 15 and one Super Bowl team in like two years. I feel like um, if the Browns got lucky, and I feel like the right guys are running the Browns now. That's the first thing. Uh, and I think that if the Browns got lucky with their draft choices, if they picked Sam Darnold or, or whoever, and that person became a, like a legit, like star quarterback, if they got Deshaun Watson, for example, um, and, and like, you know, they have a couple studs on defense and like, if they got, you know, I think they could, I mean, I think any team in the NFL can get to the, get, win a Super Bowl in like two years. I think they can go from 0 and 16 to, to 11 and five and win a Super Bowl in two years. If the, if it, a lot of things have to break their way, but I think it's possible in a way that I don't think the Padres are more abundant and they have a, they have some young prospects, you know, they got the guys in the, in the Kimbrel trade from the Red Sox who seem like they're pretty right. good and they have some good young guys, but 
Uh, but I mean, name the who's the best Padre? I mean, <laughs> oh, I think it's got to be Will, Will Myers. Myers. I, Will Myers is just the go-to. Will yeah. Myers is just the go-to. I mean, the, and none of the none of the people right? you would mention as the best Padres are pitchers, which is another big problem. So I, I feel like it. I feel like it's both of them have a have a far less than one percent chance of it happening anytime soon. But I think the Browns have a slightly higher chance of it happening. It's it's not a it's not a, an unfair uh, argument. I I will say though that look at the Astros and the Royals the last yeah. few years. I mean this that the the Royals were at least as moribund as the Padres, True. if not more so. And the Astros it was a much shorter, uh, moribund state. But you know, I mean, they basically killed an entire network. I mean, it was death yeah. for for those guys. True. So uh, we'll see. I, it, it's neither is going to happen. So there's really Correct. neither one of us can be wrong on that. It's a, mo- it's a moot point. It is a moot point. <laughs> all right. I, I think all of our listeners know that uh, we have, uh, we have put to bed one last meaningless thing. Um, even though people don't, they don't want to, they, they don't want to accept it. Mike, I, I, I get e- emails and, you know, people, people want us to bring it back, but you know, we we've made a choice. Sorry. So we are trying out uh, new things. Uh, last podcast, we tried out a random baseball, well, random athlete. We didn't have to be baseball player, random athlete that we would just mention for no apparent reason. Uh, this week, we're going to go a little, a little higher, a higher end. We are picking, uh, we are each going to choose some small beam of light that is sort of gives us hope in today's world right is that catchy is that, <laughs> yeah I, I i i think i i actually wanted to make the title even longer you might remember that our last one was sort of like base players we sort of just thought of or something at the last minute or yeah it was I, not I none of these are pithy <laughs> one last meaningless thing is pithy it's um, pithy but none of these are pithy so far if we end up settling on any of these we'll have to come up with a pithier name we'll the idea here is some some tiny little thing that makes us optimistic about the world. There's a lot of things right. that make, can make you pessimistic about the world. We're looking for one little tiny interesting thing that makes you optimistic. Uh, yes. I think I started last time, so why don't you start? Uh, is that true? Is that true? That I you can't started? remember. I I'll also I mean, it could have been. Why don't you start? Why don't you start? Uh, I'm gonna. This is a, a, a courtesy of our uh, producer TJ. I'm picking, and, and this is sort of in keeping with the last question. I'm picking the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> The Philadelphia 76ers are kind of good. And by the way, as you might know, as I've talked about before, I'm super on the NBA uh, train right now. I'm, I've jumped, I've, I've belly flopped onto the Boston Celtics bandwagon and couldn't be happier about it. And in general, I'm watching a ton of NBA and I watch the 76ers play and they are really fun. They're winning games. They're winning right now as we speak by they're beating the Wizards, a good team. Uh, they're eleven and eight as we speak. Also, Joel Embiid is an insane basketball monster who's incredibly fun to watch. Ben Simmons is an, in, is amazing. They got they made they were really smart. They picked up JJ Redick, who's like doing his bombing th- threes from the kind of thing. Um, and they're really and they're like suddenly a viable team. Like they went they they've been so miserable for so long, and then and it was always trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And now the, we if you trusted the process, you've been rewarded. That, that gives me a little bit of hope. If you're a 76er fan, that's awesome. And also, I think that just it it reminds you of the days when I first became a sports fan in the 80s. Like the 76ers were great. And, oh, and it was wonderful to watch the Celtics and the 76ers and the Lakers. 
And, uh, and I, I just think it's cool that like it actually worked that the, I mean, who knows long season, long way to go. They haven't won anything yet, but they are a viable team. They're a good team in the East. They have really exciting players. They seem to have drafted well. They still have a ton of draft picks going forward. So I, I, it is a happy little ray of light in the world of sports that the 76ers are once again, viable and good. Yes, I, I I think that is a hundred percent true. And actually, and they're not just good; they're fun. Yeah, they're like yes. fun. They're, they're good they're in really like a, they're good watch. in a good way. It's like the Astros; it's, they're good in a good way. Exactly, because you don't have to be. I mean, right? I mean, you can you can be like, oh, hey, they're winning, but they're like totally boring or not. You just know, grinding you know, just out like grind. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And they're not. They're like super fun to watch, and they're kind of the most fun. I mean, the, them and the Celtics at this point. Uh, are the fun teams to watch in the East. I mean, the Cleveland has played a lot better and they still are Cleveland or whatever. But, uh, you know, while I'm watching the NBA, I'm, I mean, if the Sixers are the team or, or the Celtics are the team I want to watch right now, yeah. they're, they're super No fun. question. So, all right. I just went onto a website um, just to sort of get a sense of, of what we're really trying to say here. Uh, and I, you know, I literally cannot go onto a news website without getting some sort of piece of information that I did not know. Uh, that depresses the the the, the heck out of me. Um, so I, I clicked onto this website, and it, apparently, uh, Garrison Keeler uh, has been fired. That's right. Uh, over alleged inappropriate behavior. Um, today was also the day Matt Lauer was fired over alleged in, inappropriate behavior. Right. Uh, it was also the day that a war criminal uh, killed himself in the United Nations court. He drank poison. <laughs> this is the cra- like in any other year. This is the craziest thing that's ever happened. And today, in this in 2017, it was like the 11th weirdest story. I mean, it, it, that really shows you what is happening in the world. A man charged of war crimes stood up, drank poison, announced that he had just drunk poison, was rushed yeah. to a hospital and died. That's what happened. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah, what happened. That's, that's the story. That's <laughs> And this is so this is so this is sort of the point of this whole thing. And so in that spirit, um I took my my daughter uh and and wife to see a movie that's out now called Wonder, uh which is based on a a children's book. Um and have you seen Wonder? You probably have not seen it yet with you. I have not, although my son saw it and loved it. It's here's the thing about it, okay? It's not the best movie of the year by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a great movie or whatever. It's just about kindness. That's all it is. It's just this movie about this little boy who who was, you know, has a, a you know, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but has a deformed face and and body and has had to go through a million surgeries. And it's about this family and how they deal with it and his friends and how they deal with it. And it's just about human kindness. And I just went in there with, you know, with no expectation. My daughter loved the book. So I was going to take her for sure. And we went in and, and sat down and I'm like, this will be fine. It's like a kid's movie it has Julia Roberts in it. And, you know, so it's, it'll be fine. And I came out of there so happy. I just came out of there. Just look, I don't, it's not a true story. It's not like there's, this is, you know, but just watching people be kind to each other for like two hours and, I, it, I don't know. I mean, it was like, there used to be a lot of movies like that. I guess they're not as many as there used to be. I just, it just made me feel so much better about things. And so 
it's just a movie. It's it, it might have not have the same impact on you, but I, I just really, really walked out of there just feeling like you know I had the I had the same feeling in some ways uh, when I went to see The Big Sick, uh, which I've talked about on the broadcast. Um, but The Big Sick is a brilliant movie. I mean, it's just the movie itself is wonderful. This this is more of a I mean, it's it's not made for TV movie ish, uh, but it's it's not significantly above that you know, that sort of, that's what it's going for. It's not, it's not going for, sure. but it's wonderful. It's just a wonderful little movie about people being kind to each other. Well acted. Well, uh, it just was, it was just a beautiful little movie. I'm, I'm so happy your son saw it. I, and, and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and then we went, uh, we went and bought the book cause he wants to read the book now. It's, so. it's a wonderful book. That's, that's why, that's why we went to, to, to see it in the first place. So anyway, that's my, that's my sort of sign of hope in, in. So what are we, oh, signs of hope. There's the, there's the, uh, this is called signs of signs hope. of hope. Yeah. This, this, this segment is called. All right. So, so we're going to, eventually we're going to have people vote, right? right? Or something on which one. So That's right. the first one is, we pick random. Hey, remember that guy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember that guy? That's what it is. Hey, That's remember that guy? And the second one is signs of hope. DJ, keep so we'll have to, please. yeah, we'll keep the, and then next we got to figure out what the next one is so that we can tell Brandon. The next one should be, um, funny things Luis Suarez can bite. <laughs> how, about, how about best LSU jokes? Just that's good. <laughs> funny times LSU lost uh, football games. Fortunately, fortunately, Brandon's not going to listen to this podcast because he he claims he doesn't listen. Although he did know what Seppenwald meant. We we yeah. we had Alan Seppenwald in here. And we just ripped him for being a Yankees fan. So so he. But to be fair, we told him that we were going to do we that. Did. That we was did. how we invited Alan on. Was we said come on the podcast so we can yell at you <laughs> about the Yankees. And so he, it wasn't us. We didn't like sneak. We did not him. sneak. He knew that him. we did not. Yeah. And in fact, I think we were kinder to him than he expected. Um, which, which <laughs> what does that say for us? But anyway, we he won't listen to this. Cause if he did listen to this, he wouldn't come on next week. We, 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 we'd get that. I'm not coming on your stupid show thing. So <laughs> I'm going to open, I'm going to literally open the discussion with Luis Suarez. I'm going to begin by saying, why does Luis Suarez always bite people? Brandon, welcome. Welcome to the show. So, Luis Suarez. Let's get right to the point get, here. As you know, we're here to discuss Luis Suarez and his biting people. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Well, Michael, as always, thank you. Joe, thanks for having me.